blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day and a great day to save lives. I'm Ayla. <laughs> and I'm Tamsin. And I'm saying it wrong just to piss off Tamsin this morning. It's, and yeah, it is. It's, it's working. <laughs> Welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. Today we're talking about season 18 and hopefully we have some more gossip from Tamsin. And without me Googling it or researching it, because I know that's what Ayla normally does, I wanted to jump in and say I really hope this is the song that I think it is because in my absolute favourite musical rant, there is a song called I'll Cover You and it's a beautiful song and it is one of the greatest moments in the show. So I'm really hoping that this is that song i completely forgot to look it up okay let's go with that it's i'll cover you from rent and that makes me really happy amazing i love that my apologies everyone i've been moving house so we are recording from my brand new living room uh and to let everyone know i'm going to thailand tomorrow you're going today you're going in a few hours today today nuts yeah that's so funny and i've been away and i just got back yesterday and we are getting this done. But this episode came out, it came to us last night. And look, I don't know. I don't know about this one. I have really mixed feelings. I think I definitely have a, like a favorite scene and a least favorite scene, I would say, or like storyline. I just think some of it was really, really clunky. What do you think? I'm feeling like we're not being wooed anymore. I feel like there are storylines that are really being rushed and are kind of coming left of centre and it's leaving me confused and I, I'm, I'm kind of getting the picture that it's all coming together to be one final thing. But we are rushing to that wedding day. They all know what's coming but, like, I need a little bit of romancing and there's a few storylines here that are just seeming to either conveniently fit in with current issues or just making absolutely no freaking sense at all. Like what? We have a lot of storylines in this one. But again, we have Maggie and Winston working together again. That whole storyline is really odd to me. Why they're pushing so hard with the brother storyline. Yeah, it feels unnecessary, doesn't it? It just feels like an extra storyline that just isn't... It, it doesn't really drive the overarching story of the hospital along, it doesn't, it feels like it doesn't need to be there. Like it feels like they're trying to give Winston something, but when these episodes are so jam packed and when the other characters, we just know so much more, it doesn't, it just feels unnecessary. Like I feel like if there's going to be a storyline with Maggie and Winston, the driving character of that should be Maggie. We know her better. We care about her more. It should almost be like a family member of Maggie's doing this, not a family member of Winston's. Winston's behaviour in this episode is not acceptable at all, but the fact that they're peppering it with their marriage being on the rocks doesn't make any sense to me because we haven't seen them as a married couple in a really long time. We've only ever seen them working together. I don't know, maybe give Winston some of his own patience, maybe give Maggie a storyline. Maggie used to have storylines that didn't revolve around her romantic relationship. Maggie no longer has storylines. Totally. I really agree with that. I feel like Maggie turned into a wife the and babysitter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. It's really strange. Like I 
I feel like we're really losing out. And it makes me wish, which this sounds really bad, but it makes me wish she wasn't married and didn't find Winston and we still had her own stories because she was like this. Her story is cool. Like The story is incredible. She's the youngest head of cardio. She's this, like, kid genius. That side of her seems to have gone. And I just, like, look, no shade to Winston. He seems really lovely and great. Well, not in this episode, but I just... I just don't care about him as like I care about Maggie. So I I just want to hear Maggie. Well, from a logistical point of view as well, like things we know, we have a physician shortage. Uh, All of our attendings need to be teaching uh, the interns and residents more. But instead, Maggie and Winston are doing surgeries together. And the way I see it is you've got two cardiothoracic surgeons who could each have an intern or two. Definitely. With them learning. Definitely. But they just keep working. It's like they're in their own little hospital. So to to jump from that, because that kind of leads into another point I really want to talk about. Meredith today hands off all of her patients so she can sit in a room and babysit Weber. I want to talk about this physician shortage again, because Nick isn't, Nick didn't volunteer to come to this hospital to take Meredith's surgeries. They actually need him to do other surgeries. They need Meredith and Nick both working in the same way they need Winston and Maggie both working. I don't understand why. I mean, I understand because, you know, they wrote this story so they Weber and Meredith could have some time together. But, like, it doesn't make sense in the story of the show for Meredith to just be like, I'm not going to do any surgeries today. I'm just going to babysit Weber. Wouldn't you just, in real life, with a physician shortage, with all of these surgeries she has to do, you'd send him home. You would just not listen to him and just call Catherine and say, come get him. He can't be here because it's going to jeopardize his job. He needs to be out of this building so I can do my job. He, no one has any time for babysitting today. Well, the same thing happens with Link and Joe. Joe got brought on as an attending surgeon because they needed more attending surgeons and general surgeons to be able to teach and cover the caseload. Yep. But in her surgery, which sounds super interesting, they're dissecting a, a tumour off the small bowel that's really intricate. There's no intern in there. She lets yeah. Link, the orthosurgeon, come in and be a second set of hands. Yes, you're Rather right. than him taking someone to do other surgeries and her taking someone to do other surgeries. So that's what I mean by we're not being wooed. We're given this narrative of there's a physician shortage. These are our priorities that are set in place but not a single one of our characters maintain that today. And I would be way more yeah. interested in seeing them all do what Nick did this week because he was the only one that actually took an intern or a resident on and showed them how to do stuff. We did see yeah. um, Helm for a hot second, but I don't know where she went. But that was the only person getting taught today. It's still Levi is the only person getting taught anything. That is so true. It would be so much more interesting to actually, and you'd feel it more if everyone was doing heaps of surgeries and there was patients everywhere and it would, you know, you'd feel the hustle and bustle and the stress if we felt that as viewers. Instead, everyone's just kind of having a pretty chill day. Whoever's having the most chill. (laughs) But everyone's (laughs) just bringing their friends into surgeries just so they can have some time to chat or just not doing surgeries. It's bizarre to me. I just feel like they missed a trick this episode. They're trying to tell us one thing and their their actions are not aligning with their words. Which is one of the most 
frustrating parts of this episode because this episode opens up with Meredith's monologue is running. In the last decade, researchers have discovered that humans have at least six senses. Proprioception. I'm going to try that again. Proprioception. Proprioception. Yep. It refers to how your brain understands where your body is in space, the mind-body connection to people and your environment. Well, Link was inside someone else's body at the opening scene. Joe was switching between being attending and an intern. Weber was at home looking for breakfast with Catherine looking amazing in this burnt orange dress. And Bailey was bringing Prue to work, Mm -hmm. being all cute and stuff, getting mad at the board and asking Amelia, Maggie, for their help Mm -hmm. and telling them this is a wee problem, the board is a wee problem, the physician shortage is a wee problem, and I'm really proud of her for setting boundaries and not internalising all that responsibility. And she asks them to make sure the word is out and that everyone knows that their job is to be good teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think by the end of the episode, seeing how stressed out Bailey is, that they really, really failed. Well, we don't see, again, like what they're saying isn't actually aligning with what's happening in the episode. You'd think this scene would set up the characters for the episode. You'd think this opening would set up what's going to happen with Maggie and Amelia throughout this episode or would set up the pace of what's about to happen, would set up that this is going to be an episode full of teaching, people trying to teach, teaching going wrong, teaching going well. You'd think that's what was going to happen and it just doesn't. This scene really doesn't really lead to anything. No. The only teaching moment we see is Nick, but it's like I wish we got the storylines from these two because, again, like Winston, I don't really want Nick's storylines. I want the characters that we know. But we meet Meredith and Nick in the attendings lounge. Meredith doing phone acting again, I just want to say. Like, she's always on her phone. Yeah, I wonder if Meredith's phone gets a credit in the show. So then what happens is Weber walks in. So what we missed telling you at the start is that before Weber gets to hospital, right after he says goodbye to his wife in her smoking burnt orange dress, he decides he feels like a juice from the fridge and like... The shittest housemate, he grabs a juice with Catherine's name on it. Nothing else in the fridge is labelled. So she's not one of these, like, overly possessive or controlling people that needs to label everything. There is one (laughs) thing in that fridge that's labelled that is her specifically saying, this is mine, please. Has her name on it, giant big letters. He definitely reads it. And that is the one thing that he chooses to drink this morning. This is unacceptable behaviour. This is unacceptable. <laughs> He's the Izzy in this situation. Bad housemate. I am furious at Richard. He wants a green juice. I actually said when I was watching this, I turned to my partner and I said, oh, my gosh, I bet that has weed in it and I bet her cancer's back. That's what I mean. We're not being wooed. It felt really obvious to me. So then what Meredith's doing her phone acting, Nick and her are having a chat and Weber comes in and we instantly see that he is stoned. And where are the snacks? Why aren't there's normally snacks in here? Why aren't there snacks? But Meredith doesn't click. She grabs him by the hand and pulls him away like he's a toddler and takes him for an exam. And she's like, are you experiencing any night sweats or anything? And he goes, night sweats. And she immediately thinks he's been drinking. Um, But turns out the funny kombucha 
is full of cannabis. And as I was watching this, I had just finished unpacking and setting up the whole house with a girlfriend of mine because Evan had to work. And all I could think was, why the fuck didn't I get any edibles before I went overseas? And it was specifically because I was going overseas that I didn't buy any edibles. But like, would have appreciated one after unpacking an entire house. So having to watch Weber go through this, I was having a terrible time. Bit jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the storyline for Weber today. Basically, he has rocked up to the hospital and he is high. And Meredith decides that she's going to cancel all of her surgeries for the day and just babysit Weber. And that's, that's the story. They can't figure out why this was there in the house and Weber's kind of annoyed at Catherine for having it in the house because the big problem is Weber is sober. So by him being high, does it cancel out? I think they were saying it's about 10 years or something now of sobriety. 10 years. Does it cancel that out? So there's a lot of guilt playing around in his mind. And, you know, I guess this is our comic relief storyline. I actually I was trying to be, think it was funny, but for some reason I just didn't find this funny. I have a couple of problems with this. One, they demonise marijuana in it which is funny because a Mm -hmm. couple of seasons ago they all had a great time on edibles and it definitely serves its purpose. It's an incredible tool that can be used. And, yes, it is abusing. Yes, modern weed is fucking intense and I've definitely had some strains that I didn't care for. Yeah, it wasn't as funny as it could have been. It was more concerning considering Weber's history. It did cause him to say a lot of things that he probably wasn't supposed to say and that's what I liked about this storyline. Yeah, same. I think the the most interesting conversation that happens in this is when Meredith and Weber are talking about Meredith leaving Seattle and Weber says he understands and that Seattle's haunted, this idea of Everywhere you memories look. of people who yeah. aren't here anymore. So I think, I think this conversation with these two is really helpful for us as viewers because it just adds to, it adds to Meredith's conversation last episode about leaving and why she's earned the right to leave and I think the show is just help adding layers to that. And I think it's good. I think we need it. I think it's good that they're exploring the complexity of leaving a job you've had for a long time, of leaving a city you've lived in for a long time where you've known a lot of people to die, of leaving the place where you worked with your husband who has passed away, your friends who have passed away. I think, and then also of being an actress in a show for 18 years. And I think there is a lot of complexity and I like that they are giving us a little bit more and that the conversation last week didn't exist in a bubble. They're expanding on it for us. I think that's important. And then to kind of the next thing that happens with Weber is that he, again, kind of gets this jolt of energy and excitement about teaching. We don't really see how far that goes, but he's like, we must do it. We must teach. And then the smartest thing Meredith's done is that she calls Amelia in. And I do think this is a good conversation as well from this episode. Amelia comes in to sit with Weber kind of ease his guilt around him convinces him that he doesn't have to give up his sobriety because he didn't knowingly or wantingly get high exactly accidents happen is what she says which is totally totally true and he also says uh to amelia that when he was high he had an epiphany and he thinks he can like reignite reinvent the program so hopefully this little this little moment has helped him. Well, he specifically quotes what Addison said about patients being treated as numbers on a scoreboard rather than people. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping more of that comes into play. Yeah, me too. I think that would be – I think that's where it needs to go. I think that's where it has to go. I had an epiphany last night about why Jackson and April would be coming back and I've completely forgotten it. No, I just remembered it. Okay, cut all that out. No, go. What is it? By the end of this episode, Meredith has called Catherine and she comes sauntering down the hallway towards Weber. And he says to her, why would you do this to me? It's like, well, you did it to yourself, buddy. You picked the juice that says Catherine. And all she says is, it's to deal with my pain. My cancer's back. That is why April and Jackson are coming back. Because oh. Catherine's going to be in hospital. Of course. Of course. So Jackson's going to come back and see his mum. Mm-hmm. April will bring Harriet, his grandma. Maybe they're back together. Fingers crossed for Jackson and April back together. Maybe this will be the catalyst that brings them back together. And hopefully while they're there, they do some surgeries and help out Gray Sloan. I'm more excited to see um, he helped out with the brain surgery. Karasic. Yeah, I'm more excited to see Karasic. I love Karasic. Can't believe how much I hated him. Love him. I was. I thought we were going to get more Karasic this season, honestly, when he was around in Minnesota, and I'm disappointed that he's, he's not. So sassy. He's not here. Where is he? Karasic brings some new, always he brings the sass, he brings a different energy to this show and I think we're really missing that. Mm -hmm. So because this episode is all about covering things up, covering for people, um, I think that's exactly what Nick is doing. He's covering everything for Meredith today because she's decided that she needs to just babysit Weber. So he's taking on all her surgeries. And look, actually, he's he's doing really well. This is the best teaching moment we've seen at this hospital in a long time. And I don't normally like people yelling at Bailey, but when he said shut up to Bailey, I was actually on his side. Who am I? Who am I? I you tell you tell me three weeks ago that I would say I was on Nick's side over Bailey about something? Would have would have would have would have not believed you. I was trying to think of something more fun to say. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Um I think this might be, I, I, I know this is, again, them trying to convince us that Nick mm. isn't a bad dude, and this time I'm on their side. But they really do paint Bailey as a childish devil this episode, which I wasn't super comfortable with. So Nick's quite apprehensive about going in to talk to Bailey and getting permissions and starting on. And he walks into this boardroom Bailey's using because for some reason they put in this tiny little storyline about there being feces in Bailey's office and there being a bad smell in there, so she's operating out of a boardroom. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because what was that? I think what it was, was an opportunity to have Prue, and I even made a note about it, standing next to Bailey, looking up at her like a minion looks at a banana, just full of love and light and saying, what's a feces? It's poop. But, like, I have no idea. It makes no sense. You think that whole storyline was just for that moment? I have no idea what this storyline is. Maybe she's... It has to be something else. It has to be something... I feel like it's got to be something wrong. I mean, this is me looking at it from like a making TV. Maybe the methane has affected her brain and is making her more erratic. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully there's a deeper meaning like that. But I was thinking maybe like something's wrong with the set. Something broke. They can't shoot in there anymore. 
So they needed to have a quick fix. They needed a quick, like... I assume that's the actual reason. Write something else out, write something in. But it's a weird thing to write in. It's so weird. And again, it plays into the we are not being wooed. We're just being thrown these things. Especially when there's so often with no care at all, they will just swap rooms, make new rooms, make a new hospital, make a new stairwell and not explain anything. Run to Meredith's house. Exactly. So it's like we're so used to it. It's annoying, but we are used to, you know, she could have just walked in and said a brand new room was her office and we would have been annoyed, but we would have been like, oh, well, that's just what they do. But instead to make this weird storyline. I always thought that the chief's office was quite inappropriate purely for the fact that everyone can see into it and they have to have a lot of private conversations. (laughs) Imagine being fired in that room. I guess like it's inappropriate for a reason because we always get so many scenes of people watching what's going on in the chief's office from outside. So Nick approaches Bailey in this boardroom and calls her out on being hostile, which she is being hostile and then she's very childish and sarcastic which isn't in her character totally but we do we we do get some reasoning towards it at the end no i yeah and it is something that we briefly talked about last episode is who she is in this role did we did i make that up we've spoken about it a few times it's it's the fact that i think she's feeling pressure to bend over and kiss the feet of anyone coming in to sort of help out and Everyone wants all this praise and no one's giving anything back to Bailey and she had to sort of come in and fix up the hospital after the mistakes of several silly men and there's a lot of pressure and weight on her. Well, that that's exactly it. That's hitting the nail on the head. It's like she's not just the chief of this hospital. She's the first woman chief. She's also a black woman in power. So it's like she feels like she's failing more than just the hospital. She feels like this position... You know, she's representing so many people to come after her. So it's it's like an added weight on her shoulders that she is is really feeling at the moment as they're struggling. But she's riding Nick all day for it. So she is. He sits her down and gives her the option. He's like, look, if you don't want me here, that's fine. I'll hang out for a few months and play golf and do nothing. I'll go and help out at a different hospital. But you need a hand. I'm a teacher. And she reminds him that he was the teacher of Romeo before we got him. Now, has he gone back to Minnesota? We don't know if he accepted that. I'm assuming so. I'm assuming so. Which, again, like, how bizarre, bringing in this character for a few episodes and then, whoop, he's gone. Yeah, very strange. But also it's okay Um, because we we have too many characters, so it's okay. It's fine. I'm, yep, you replace one Minnesotan with another. That's a-okay. Um, so Bailey, you know, begrudgingly says you can help, but then she notices that he's taken over Meredith's cases. So she barges in, Mm. in the middle of a surgery Mm. to tell him off for doing so many surgeries in a day. And he's working with Levi. And as this patient starts to sort of starts bleeding, um, which Levi mentions this, it's the same thing that happened when he lost the patient and had his mental mm-hmm. breakdown. And Bailey's standing there screaming at him, what do you do, Levi? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? So Nick tells her to shut up because he can see that her teaching method isn't 
working for Levi. No, because she's just adding mm-hmm. pressure. She's adding so much stress and pressure to this moment. And I and that's kind of when Nick, I guess, realizes what teaching style specifically Schmidt needs, which is just encouragement and calm. Nick is very calm in this moment. Which is a very big change of character for Nick. Maybe they caught the memo that we yeah. were seeing the red flags flying. He says things like, just breathe, don't worry, you've got this. And he said he asks Levi, like, what give me some ideas. What do you do next? And then Levi says something and he says, that is a great idea. And he says it slowly and calmly with breathing room. And it's like, it's nice, honestly. And it's, it's kind of how Bailey used to teach as well. We've seen this from Bailey. We're seeing a big switch Mm, in her character this episode, but I think that helps point towards the fact that she isn't all the way out of this burnout. Definitely. So what we get with Bailey, her kind of final scene after she realizes that Nick is actually a good teacher, Meredith comes to talk to her. Because Nick has a little whinge. And Meredith basically just wants Bailey to understand that she is helping, that they're here to help. They're not getting any thanks. She's kind of feeling, I mean, also, she's here to help, but she didn't do any surgeries today. So, no, she's not going to get any thanks. <laughs> I stayed. I'm in the hospital doing nothing. You should be grateful that my existence is. So they yeah. they do get to have it out though. Meredith says sorry that she didn't get to talk to Bailey properly and that Bailey found out in an awful way and Bailey says thank you and that she is thankful that they're staying and she does apologise for calling Meredith the same girl that she was when she was an intern. So they're kind of, it's nice seeing these two reconvene and they actually get to open up a little bit about why why they've been a bit stressed and struggling. Meredith explains that she's been with Richard all day who was stoned. Did you think it was a bit weird that she said that she was with Richard? No. No? Hmm. She seems to have grown to this point where he's not Weber or the chief anymore. He's Richard. Yep. They're equal now. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like it's really, it feels different and think about each other feels different. They feel more equal. And that's when Bailey gets to kind of explain why she's so on edge that these messy men that came before her kind of ruined the hospital. And of course, it's all falling on the woman's shoulders to fix everything. And she just feels, you know, like she's drowning. And even though Meredith and Nick can stay for a little while, it's not going to be enough because they're going to go then. And then what? So I understand she's in a really, really tough, tough spot. And she just wants to go be a mum and I, a mum to Prue. And I understand that that's probably not helping because she's like, I can't just leave and be a woman who's left a high powered job to go be a mum because there's so much stigma around that, unfortunately. I mean, she doesn't say any of this. I'm just reading into it. The way that Prue looks at her, this little actress, is so genuine. If you told me that that was Chandra's actual child, I would 100% believe you. Totally. Totally. It's very cute. Um, But she just said, Marsh seems like a wonderful teacher. And Meredith gives her side eye and you're like, oh, I don't want to think about them having sex. I know. Is that a sex joke? I was wondering too. Was that like an innuendo? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Okay. Um, oh, speaking of sexy sex, we do kind of have a main storyline today, mm-hmm. and that's Link and Joe. Yep. Now, we could talk about that because we've been discussing sexy sex, or we could really touch on the clunkiest storyline that has to do with 
the sexes as well. And that's Owen and Teddy in therapy. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and you got that out that's fine so teddy's teddy's storyline and i know it's teddy and owen but it's not really it's really just teddy i understand that this is very well intentioned it's very informative to people watching who may not totally understand but my god this is clunky and ham-fisted and it's not convenient yeah they're at couples therapy. Teddy's going, but what do we say? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Owen's being very chill. But they're also talking about the way that he asked for cheese. And it's like, come on, Ted. Like, come on. This is so, this conversation, I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the therapist says something really interesting. She says, you know, his demands have to be persistent, consistent, and insistent. That's what we're looking for. But otherwise, let's just let him play with it. Who cares? And at the end of the day, it's just like, who cares? But she ends up bumping into Amelia in the hallway when they get back to the hospital. And Amelia's asking for a consult. Oh, sorry. Uh, Teddy's asking Amelia for a consult. And Amelia's response is, we're just going to wait and see how this brain hemorrhage goes. And then we get another one of those really fucking weird, inappropriate, Teddy verbal diarrheaing all over the place, which prompts Amelia to ask, how's family therapy going? And Teddy says, I'm ready to take the next step to help him. I need Mm. to know when this is happening. I need to know what's going on. Mm. And Amelia confesses her relationship with Kai and how that's changed her view on life and people and how things don't need labels. I don't find this that bad. I just think the no, conversation think written getting to this moment is clunky. This, there's one quote that is really great that Amelia says. She says, people don't need to be constantly defined in order to be loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of the quote from the episode. I mean, they've plastered it all over social media. It is, that is a really beautiful sentence. I think that's one that's going to, you know, stick with the Grey's Anatomy world for a while. I think that is something that, you know, people will be like, this is a great quote. This came from Grey's. I think it, I think that is really good. And I think that's the only good sentence in this whole storyline that is well put together and not clunky and just a really beautiful sentiment. But everything else. Have you seen Euphoria yet? Nah. So no, no, no. there's a scene in it where um, the main character is talking to her sponsor and he mentions um, revolutions because they make a joke about Malcolm, they're talking about Malcolm X. And he's talking about how in the modern day with the internet, there are so many revolutions. There's big changes happening all the time, but because we're jumping from one revolution to the next, each revolution, we're not given enough time to digest it and actually facilitate change. We'll make small ones, but no one's watching to make sure that those things happen. And I feel like Grey's Anatomy is a really big reflection of this. In the early seasons, we'd have an an entire episode that was sort of dedicated to a central theme uh, of a socioeconomic issue, whereas now we have so many issues being tackled in one episode that, as you said, that phrase should be something 
that sticks out in the Grey's Anatomy universe and stays around. But unfortunately, this is all going to be washed away in the river because we're talking about six different revolutions in this one episode. That's such an interesting point. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. And it's true. There's just too much happening where you can't digest anything. We get really angry really quickly watching an interview with someone who was talking about accessibility for um, differently abled people. And they're like, yeah, we've new laws have come in in the States saying that businesses have to be accessible, but no one's monitoring these businesses. The laws are changing constantly, but no one's keeping up with any of them. And we're seeing that reflected in Grey's Anatomy. So maybe Grey's Anatomy is still the perfect reflection of modern society. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. It's really sad. Because we want to be able to digest and we want to be able to take the time. Think about how many revolutions we had in 2020 and 2021. It's hard to keep track of them. And they were all such big, important things. But I couldn't list them all now. I feel like that's almost how we're going backwards at the same time. Big things happening that are taking us backwards. And it's almost like because there's so much going on, things are getting lost because there's so many important things happening, moving forward and moving backwards that like it's hard to keep track of everything. So it's like blink and you'll miss that we've taken a step backwards while also taking three steps forward. And then you do things like comparing someone's gender identity to their choice in ice cream. And there we go. We've taken a step back again. This was the worst scene of this episode. <laughs> I hated it so much. And I, it was like it was coming in slow motion, right? Mm-hmm. You could, I could feel it. It was gross. I was, uh, it was like, do you want the chocolate chip or the mint chip? And I was like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do it, don't, don't do it, don't, don't do, do this. Yeah. He doesn't have to choose right now, looks up at Amelia like, give me a pat on the shoulder. I learned. Yeah, it was like the end of a kid's cartoon. Again, we're not being wooed. We are being spoon-fed. I'm not a child. Why are you Why are you writing to me like I'm a child? What is, oh, my God. It was- because they needed to wrap up Teddy being a bad person because they made us kind of think that Teddy was being a bad person, but. None of us thought Teddy was being a bad person. She's not being a bad person. She's just trying, she's just, she likes, she likes a plan. And this is something that doesn't have a plan and she just had to be okay. She had to be okay. I like a plan. I love a plan. Yep. So you'd be like, this particular thing doesn't have, there's no plan. And she just has to be okay with that. That's all. That's all it was. I don't think they Mm -hmm. were making her a bad person. Well, are they making Link a bad person? They make him not a happy person, and he was our sunshine and lollipops, and now he's mopey Link. I think no one is a bad person in this episode. I think everyone is hiding something, covering for people, and everyone is confused and no one is communicating very well. I think that's what's causing issues for everyone. In the age of hyper-connectivity. Yeah. Link and Joe are our, I would say, this is probably the main storyline this episode. I would agree. And what's weird is that we open on Link making out, taking clothes off a woman that looks exactly, exactly like, like Amelia. Amelia. Do you think that was intentional? That was intentional, right? 
the first watch I was like, oh, that's a bit on the nose. And the second watch, I'm like, they must be doing this on purpose. I thought it was, I thought it was definitely on purpose, but then because nothing was said about it, the whole episode, like nothing, it didn't turn into a storyline that he was still pining for Amelia. He didn't speak to Amelia. I was like, oh, was that just really weird casting then? I thought it was going to become a story. Is it because we haven't had any sex in the show in ages? But why pick someone that looks exactly like Amelia from behind and then not show her face until the very last second of that scene? Unless you're trying to make it look like it's Amelia. It's also a bit objectify like that this woman's just a placeholder. Well, yeah, yeah, I thought that's what the storyline was going to be, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's weird. Sort of the, the entry between Joe and Link is he's having a good time hanging out, doing the sex with random citizen, um, whereas Joe's been at work switching between being a, uh, the intern and being an attending. And mm-hmm. she pages Link to the ER because she's also manning the ER today. And he says, you know, we haven't hung out in a while. Do you want to hang out? She's like, oh, I'm actually seeing Todd tonight. Would you mind babysitting? And he gets really aggressive from the get-go and says, that's not why you've paged me here. And we meet his patient today. I just realized we haven't spoken about any patients, but they've all been a little bit irrelevant. Um, but his patient is, it's a patient who he used to treat, who had, I assume he was a sports person who had a bone cancer or something of sorts. Yeah. And his wife is having their baby and they know that he is. And they, they give us so much drama. Her, the wife, it sucks because the wife is an incredible actress. She was so amazing. She's like electric to watch on camera. Mm-hmm. But there was so much going on with our characters that it, every time the patients was just kind of them on camera, I just was like, we need to get back to these storylines of our doctors. Like, take I don't care about the patients today because there's too much other stuff happening. But they tried really hard to make us feel for this couple. Link goes on to explain that he's been treating this guy for five years and all he wants in life is to be a dad. It's his one true dream to be a dad. And to have a baby with his wife and he's known them for five years and they've been trying through the chemo and the radiation therapy to have a baby. And it wasn't until eight months ago that they were able to conceive. And she is Mm -hmm. 32 weeks pregnant. She is two months till baby time. Mm -hmm. But Joe and Link have two big conversations in this and both of them seemed very reminiscent of well, the first one especially seemed quite reminiscent of Amelia and Link's chat and it was a bit gaslighty. But Link also spends all of this episode disregarding, I think the first part was. Do you think it was gaslighty? I don't think this was gaslighty. I think it's them finally explaining, explaining how they're feeling because I think everyone's been hiding stuff and not communicating and I think these two are finally trying to communicate and I think they both have valid I think they both have valid things I just don't think that Link knows how to express his emotions in a healthy manner anymore and so he comes out and he lashes out well he's saying that he's upset because he wants to hang out with her because they're best friends they obviously haven't been hanging out much because she's working like at five jobs and she has a new boyfriend so of course as she's not hanging out with him he misses her And he was trying to get her to hang out and she just said, can you babysit instead, which she didn't realise was going to hurt him, but it did. It hurt him. 
And I understand that. He also spends the day disregarding her medical expertise, which drove me nuts. So they do a scan and they realize that he has a MET, so an extra tumor around his small bowel. Um, and Link's freaking out about telling the patient this. And Joe's like, well, it's my surgery. It's general. It's in the abdomen. Um, you can scrub it with me if you like. Well, no, get a resident. And while they're in there, she realizes that they can't resect the tumor and they're going to have to divert the bowel, which basically is a death sentence for this guy. And Link gets mad at her and says, well, can't you do more? And she's like, well, I've got two options here. I either divert the bowel and cause him a lot less pain for his remaining few weeks that he's going to be alive, or I do nothing and he's going to be in incredible pain for the next few weeks. So what do you want me to do? But he just, he kind of gets mad at her for not wanting to, I suppose, go the extra mile or try harder. It's like, well, you're not a general surgeon. You don't know much about abdomens and bowels. So back the hell off. Yeah, I still don't think this is like gaslighty though. I think he's just too emotionally connected to these patients, which we see all the time in this show. Yeah, that's fair. And I think she's does the right thing. But then when they're talking to the incredible wife and explaining that he's only got a few weeks to live, she wants her baby taken out so he can meet his child. And, you know, Joe sits down and says, hey, I'm actually an OB as well. I'm letting you know right now you can't take the baby out. And he steps over her and says that he's going to speak to DeLuca to do it. Yeah. This is just rude. Mm-hmm. This is super rude. This isn't a conversation you should have around patients. He needed to take her aside. He can say that. I do think he he can go above her head because he's right. She's only in her first year, but he cannot do that in front of a patient. Again, we've learnt this from watching this show. You can't promise things to a patient if you don't know. This isn't his field. He has no fucking clue. He can't go and make, give her any hope. He needs to do it away from the patient. He shouldn't have said anything. But that this argument leads to them stepping into a cupboard and having a fight, which I think they really needed to have. And I, this was my favourite scene this episode. This argument, I think they're both so good. But again, it comes back to the wooing because I wasn't really aware that it had become quite this strained. I thought that Link was pining after Joe, not that he was feeling taken advantage of because we have so many characters, it hadn't been thoroughly explained. Didn't, did you think that he was pining after Joe? No, I didn't think he was pining after Joe, I, but I thought they were fine because last week he went to Joe's bar with her and Todd and they talked about... But he was trying to sabotage um, her and Todd's relationship. He was being all, oh, I see you choosing the nice guy. Oh, that's right. That's what I mean. We're not that's being right. wooed. Nothing's being explained because we're only getting tidbits of our characters. That's right. But when Link explains how he's feeling in this fight, it makes a lot of sense. Look, I wish this fight didn't come didn't feel like it came kind of out of nowhere, but it did come from this episode. Link has been angry all episode. It has, they did build this pretty well just over this episode, I feel. So I did really like it. And I think they both did really good. I mean, Joe opens by saying that like, you're angry, you're lashing out. If you need to fight someone, fight me. And she says like, don't go over my head and talk to my boss. And that's where we find Link, what is really bothering Link which was he thinks that she used him. He says, you used me for sex, which was fun. 
so I could roll with it. But then you kicked me out, which was less fun. And now you have Todd. So you want me to sleep over with Luna anytime you have a date, which he offered to do. But then he does say, which would be fine if you ever just wanted to hang out with me, but you don't, which means I'm being used. Which he offered to do. And I also get that. I get that. And I think the part that really bothers him is the fact that she's brought up a couple of times now that, you know, we're good friends. I know you. You can talk to me. You can rely on me. But he's like, now you want to talk to me like we're besties, so I should listen to you instead of doing everything I can for my patient. He's basically saying you can't pick and choose when we're being friends or what part of our friendship you want. I think that's fair. I actually understand where Link's coming from in this argument. I think this is so fair. Mm-hmm. and. It's interesting that it all comes out because I do feel like as as audiences to this show, you know, Joe is so loved. She is so loved. Everyone is always on Joe's side. Fairly, because she's great. She's overcome some really huge things. Our beloved character of Alex absolutely broke her heart, broke her, smashed her into pieces when he left. So we're all rooting for Joe. So it's it's quite it's quite interesting when we hear how badly Joe has been treating Link because it makes sense. But then she does get to explain her side and I also understand Joe. And everyone knows what it's like when you're working so much and you're dating someone new. She wasn't doing any of this knowingly either. Absolutely not. She had no idea. She had no idea because on in her mind she fell in love with her best friend She knew he didn't feel the same way, so she thought she was just doing some self-preservation by stopping them sleeping together, by not living with each other anymore, so they could find their feet and find their way back to their friendship. But also doing him a favour because also doing doing him a favour because she knows Link really well. And I know and you know that Link was in a spot where if Joe said, I love you, he probably would have been like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Yeah, without even really thinking. Which, because Link back then, I mean, he was sleeping with Joe, but talking about Amelia every second. So Joe did what she had to do, and she's never admitted to Link that she fell in love with him until this moment. She says, I, I fell in love with you, and I asked you to move out because I wanted to protect our friendship because you didn't feel the same way, which is huge news for Link. And he says, and you didn't tell me? And she apologises for not telling him and says that she should have. Where do you stand on that? Do you think she should have confessed her love for him or maybe said, well, actually she did. She said, hey, I think that us living together is probably not the best idea anymore after all of this. Do you think that was the explanation? I think what she said was fine. I think if Link was Link was in such an Amelia bubble, he had blinkers on for Amelia, he wasn't really thinking about much, so he probably didn't comprehend what she was Mm. saying at the time but I think if he was more clear-headed a little bit brighter he would have heard that and understood or asked more questions about it and they would have been able to have the conversation back then so where do you think this is going to go now because he's really sad after all of this he asks Amelia to take Scout for the night because he just really needs him he seems really shaken up and I'm not sure why because he has been in love with Joe before. He's potentially has feelings for her now. I I don't know if he's in love with her now, but he's definitely misses his friend and it sucks 
we're going to see our first polyamorous relationship on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't think it fits these characters, but it would be interesting. I don't think it fits Link. He's very traditional. I also don't think Joe needs to juggle two men and two specialties. Nah. (laughs) Speaking of juggling, though, our last case of the day is Margot, who comes in with abdominal pain, and for some reason Maggie and Winston are treating her. It took me such a long time to figure out why these two would be involved at all with an abdominal issue, Um, but she's got an abdominal aortic aneurysm, which is terrifying. I don't even totally understand it because it's in her abdomen, but it's her heart. I I don't think this case matters. I think it just facilitates them working together and it's really clunky that Margot is very don't call my wife, don't call my wife. I I lied about getting this fixed and she'll be really mad at me and I think it just plays into the fact that Winston's brother is a liar because Maggie's trying to be really cheery and says, you know, I had a, you, you left really early this morning and he's quite dismissive and says, I just went for a run and she's like, well, I had a lovely breakfast with Wendell and he told me all about his degree and he's like Wendell never went to college he's playing you he's full of shit what's interesting with this is that Winston is so so angry about Wendell lying but but he it's taken Winston a very long time to tell Maggie that the things don't work it has but he he kind of explains that so he gets really nasty with the patient and, you know, demands that she tell her why that this is happening. And as she's about to be sedated, he decides to freak out this patient by saying, just letting you know, we have to call your wife, it's protocol. And her aneurysm bursts. And Maggie calls him out on this shitty behaviour as they're operating. Mm. And he cracks the sads again. So she mm. tells him to leave. Um, so after the surgery, she corners him and very loudly asks him what the fuck is going on. So they get into the stairwell. And Winston finally explains weeks later why he has such a problem with his brother. And he goes on to tell us that when they were kids, his brother called him and said, hey, can you come pick us up from the mall? And when they got in the car, they drove away, and it wasn't until the police pulled them over that he realised that he was a getaway driver. Winston was on probation. His brother sweet-talked his way out of it. His brother used to steal money from kids at school and both of them would get a whooping for it. And that's when he says the patches are fake and he wants Winston to lie. And he tells Maggie that his brother just gets in his head and confuses him and is now making him lie not only to his wife but to himself. And I I think it's all stemming around the fact that he understands that he's being manipulated by his brother and is frustrated not only by his brother but by himself for the fact that he can be manipulated in that way. But somehow they're all reflecting on this being a problem in their relationship, that they're having relationship struggles, which I just came out of nowhere. Which came out of nowhere. Because since these two came back from their honeymoon, they've been so strong and we just haven't really seen them, like you said before, like any sort of relationship, anything of them. Like, we don't see them at home. We still don't know where they live. We saw them having sex last week in the encore room, which is why I'm just like, I don't, 
get mm. in this. He asks for a night alone to yell and scream and have it out with his brother. This seems to make Maggie uncomfortable, and I thought it was a really reasonable ask. But I, I just, how is this? So is their relationship on the rocks? Because he even says, I want to fight for our relationship because I love you. And it's like, yeah, what? Yeah, I don't know. I have no answers for this one. This is baffling to me. I think we're just going to have to leave that one until we find out next week. But it's it's the clunkiness. It's the not being wooed. It's the, yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. Hopefully they ex- explain something. It's like there's a bigger picture that they're just not telling us about. And it'll all, it'll all come together at some point. I think that's why I'm using the the relationship metaphor so much because I think you're right. I think they're planning the wedding before we've gone on the first date. Of the show? Mm-hmm. Like the, it's all coming to a point. It's coming to something in the next couple of episodes. And, yeah, they're just clunkily getting it to that, yeah. Yeah, they're lining up all their ducks in a row, but we've got no fucking idea what's going on. So that's kind of it for this episode this week. Um, definitely some good moments. A lot of annoying moments, clunkiness. And I just have so many questions about what what they're thinking, what they're planning. And I just feel like a whole part of me is just holding out for J-Pril now. I feel like I don't know Grey's Anatomy anymore. I didn't recognise Meredith's front porch. I have no idea where this all came from with Maggie and Winston. I, I feel like I've missed episodes a couple of times this season because stuff keeps getting thrown to us left of centre. Um, so I'm I'm quite excited for the conclusion to hopefully answer some questions and get a big wrap-up. I am actually really excited, not for the show to end, not for the season to end, but because I think they're riding towards the end of this season and I think this two-hour finale episode is going to have something big and, yeah, they're riding towards it. So I'm actually really excited, not because it's going to be the end, but because it's going to feel like maybe we can understand where this was all going. Mm-hmm. It does feel like we're racing towards the finish line. So let us know how you're feeling. Ayla's heading to Thailand. So, look, we're going to try our best to get these episodes to you over the next two weeks, but they might be a little bit different. We can't really explain how that's going to be just this second, but, look, just over the next few weeks, just bear with us. Yeah, the biggest problem that we're facing is we don't know if I will be able to actually watch the episodes in Thailand. So we'll keep you updated on the social media as to what's going on. It may mean that Tamsin has a guest star with just some notes from me, or it may mean that the next couple of episodes are delayed. We apologize in advance for either of these, but know that I'm going to be sipping coconuts on a beach. We've been trapped in our state for two and a half years. Give us a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so nice. I know I only went interstate, but it has been so nice to be somewhere else this past week, even though I was there with work and I was working from like 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then going out every night. It was a lot. I'm still recovering, but it was very nice to be away. So we'll be back in your ears soon, don't worry. But thank you all so much for listening. Can't wait to hear your responses. Shoot us through an email at scalpelsandtequilapodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram and, yeah, we actually don't shout out our personal Instagrams on here very much, but our show Instagram is at scalpelsandtequila. My personal Instagram is at Miss T Hayes, all one word. 
And Ayla? Is ms underscore Ayla underscore Azure. It's mine's harder. You're welcome. They're all available on our Instagram page as well for Scaffolds and Tequila if you can't remember those. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Sing it. Bye. 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 Bye